0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to
1: another episode of Crypto Coffee Hour. I'm your host, Jeff. Here's always my co-host, Will. Hey, audience. Um, Thanks again for uh, tuning in, uh, especially amidst this very difficult time. Indeed, um, you know, the tragedies uh, that's ongoing right now between Russia, Ukraine, and that part of the world. Um, I'm sure many of us, including myself, uh, we have friends, friends. contacts who are located in that region. So definitely, um, you know, it's on our minds and it's something that certainly, um, you know, we hope that we can, um, you know, as a world, find a solution to, um, you know, in the very near future. Um, and in the meantime, you know, it's, uh, it's a topic that certainly affects crypto as well. Um, and many of us probably looking at the headlines uh, see uh, crypto's role, um, you know, amidst these sanctions. So I thought maybe we'd just start off by talking about, um, really, the first time that you know we're we're kind of going through this, um, yeah, this 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 trial, and to see um, how what what function or role crypto can serve during this. Um, any thoughts on this, Jeff? <clears throat> yeah. So I think even before this conflict started,
0: we were starting to see some awareness. In kind of the the uh, mainstream population, about the use cases of crypto and kind of like Bitcoin specifically, with the the protests in Canada and the decision to freeze the bank accounts of a lot of the um, protesters there, and whether or not you disagree w- or agree with the protesters, um, that move by the government had was pretty like far reaching and scared a lot of people. Um, because, you know, in our modern society, we kind of take the right to transact and use our money for granted. We don't really think about the fact that it's something that can be taken away from us. Um, and so, like, that event kind of brought some awareness to Bitcoin and the fact that it was this thing that allowed people um, to transact freely without government oversight. And now, um, this latest conflict in Russia and Ukraine and Russia's invasion of Ukraine has kind of brought that back to light a little bit. Um, We see the huge um, and punishing economic sanctions that were levied onto Russia. And also obviously the destruction of a lot of the financial infrastructure in Ukraine um, has kind of driven a, a bit of a rally in crypto right now where people are seeing it not as a risk asset while, um you know the stock markets are down and there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. People are kind of looking at it back as a you know a store of value and kind of a a way to like keep their wealth and maintain that ability to transact wealth even in these incredibly uncertain times um with very hostile governments, right? But it's giving people at least a bit of a refuge.
1: Very fluid situation clearly um and things are evolving but right now it looks like um, you know crypto is differentiating itself from the traditional asset class uh, we've talked about in this episode um, you know several episodes have stretched over you know at least a few weeks where you know we discussed the implications of crypto winter and how uh the fed hiking rates is impacting um you know the traditional stock market but it's also impacting uh crypto markets and that is just because Crypto trades, um, at least the, the institutions that hold it, a lot of them treat it as just kind of a riskier version of stocks. Uh, maybe I'm overly generalizing, but um, that's what has that behavior. When stocks go down, it goes down even more. And what we say, the, you know, it has a high beta. Um, it's a high beta asset class. But now, as Jeff was describing, um, people are starting to see Bitcoin. um, Let's just use that as I would say the standard. um, That's what most of the world is talking about. Bitcoin has become kind of this payments method, uh, the store of value, because it isn't uh, able to be interfered uh, by the government, um, and that it is uh, we're able to, um, you know, send money to people's wallets easily. Right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people post wallet addresses on Twitter you know, um, and uh, that evades um, kind of the sanctions. Uh, you don't need to go through a bank. You don't need to ask your bank for permission before, um, you know, sending money to a certain uh, address. You, you don't need to be afraid that um, the bank may um, put certain uh, freezes or restrictions or check it out before you send it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, people are starting to come to uh, grips with the fact that, um, you know, of course, we all have different You know, kind of um, opinions and views and political politics and everything. But at the end of the day, uh, Bitcoin is apolitical. Um, It's uh, it's pretty straightforward. So, what are the risks, Jeff? You think that the government could, um, or or the possibility for the government to interfere with this process?
0: Well, I'm sure, like you know, a lot of countries don't like that fact that it gives people the freedom to transact because it takes a major power away from the government, which is the control of the monetary system in that country. Um, and we've probably seen a couple headlines now where, you know, there's some fear that uh, U.S. lawmakers may start turning their attention on crypto because the, um, the fear of Russia using uh, crypto as a way to kind of dodge some of the economic sanctions that have been levied on them. Um, while while I, don't, I don't think this fear is super... Um, substantiated because i don't think that on a like a on a economic scale the size of, of a country the size of russia that crypto can fundamentally replace mm. you know all their their like financial dealings with swift and all the other things with their banks um all their frozen assets outside of the country like i don't think crypto represents you know something that they can just implement and suddenly be free of all those sanctions right i still think those sanctions will be very punishing for them um i just do think that crypto does however you know give the ordinary person in russia that's probably suffering from these sanctions at least a means to kind of store some of their value and the same goes for the people in ukraine um who you know have been getting the brunt of this invasion and you know most of their Cities have been bombed now, and people are fleeing, and there's a lot of refugees. Um, You know, I've seen on Twitter a lot of the people in the crypto community based out of Ukraine, because, like, even before uh, the war, the the Ukrainian crypto community was pretty strong. Um, A lot of people mentioned how after they left, you know, they couldn't access the funds in their banks anymore, Um, their Ukrainian credit cards weren't able to withdraw money from the ATMs in other parts of Europe because maybe the bank infrastructure was damaged. Um but a lot of them, you know talked about how crypto was basically all they had now, you know after leaving their mm. homes and a lot of their stuff. like crypto mm. represented the fact that they had value still. they still had money that they could use mm. that they could ext- pull out and withdraw without um, relying mm. on these other other pieces of infrastructure to still be intact, right? As long as they had the internet, they had access to their money. Um, And I think that's a very good uh, positive aspect out of this. You know, like you might think of, you might like see the headlines focusing on the possibility of countries evading sanctions using crypto, but we can't forget that like, this is helping people right now, right? This technology is enabling people in these regions right now to maintain some semblance of all the, you know, Like everything they've earned in their life, you know, the money that they've been saving up, you know, that they've had for all these years. Crypto is giving some of these people a ways at least to access that and kind of rebuild their life in this kind of terrible um, situation. So I think even though the government may want to look at this as an opportunity to um, over regulate crypto a little bit, um, I ultimately am not that worried because I do think that. Um, you know, the network effect of it is so strong now that as more people are using it, it just becomes
1: harder and harder to really clamp down on it. Um, I, you can, I I like can your, almost,
0: oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I like how, um, you point out that there's two sides to this, um, just as with all technology, right? I mean, you know, some people say, oh, Facebook is this terrible thing. it You know, um, it gets us addicted or it, uh, uh, you know, it steals our data, but at the same time, um, you know, small businesses uh, use Facebook, use that platform. Um, people use it to connect with uh, long lost relatives. I mean, so just like with any technology, um, you know, the um, you know, there's both sides to it. And so uh, I like Jeff, how you present a very balanced view just now. Um, absolutely. It can be used to avoid sanctions um, by regimes um, that we may deem harmful, but at the same time, um, it can be utilized by countries where their financial system is shattered, um, not of their own fault, right? But uh, because of external factors. And so um, I think the sense of security of owning, um, you know, uh, a Bitcoin or owning a digital asset. Uh, and again, the situation is evolving. And so I, I don't want us to be at this moment saying this is the watershed moment when, you know, people realize, um, you know, crypto and, you um, and we're not this is not the, the platform we're taking right now, but I do feel like this hopefully will allow people to uh, allow the conversation to shift from just, oh, you know, crypto is a scam. It's a Ponzi to, OK, well, what are the use cases for it, um, you know, and uh, can is, you know, what are some of the constructive um, aspects of you know, payment that isn't based uh, on potentially the traditional payment systems? And so yeah, I, I'm quite, um, yeah, let's let's see how the situation develops. And obviously the market action um, is at least right now supportive. So yeah um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe just to, um, you know, take a few steps back and um, to kind of uh, slightly pivot into um, something else. So it's been, you know, um, a, a few weeks. And uh, since we kind of talked about Crypto Winter and whatnot, and we've advised during uh, our podcast to focus less on the price action and to focus more on building, we were talking about that last week. Um, and, um, and, you know, uh, recently, some of the conversations I've had, I've realized that, you know, uh, in addition to the layer one, layer zero technologies, the, the scalability, the sharding, and which is just amazing kind of um you know kind of theoretical or technical breakthroughs we've made there's also the aspect of crypto it's going to reorganize like society it's going to reorganize our incentive structures and i just found that really compelling and i thought maybe we could you know discuss that a little bit so this friend was chatting with me and he's saying that you know um we can because everybody will now eventually everyone will have a wallet right um a digital wallet in the same way almost everybody has a cell phone now um and so the power of the cell phone is that, well, there's a lot of apps on it that people can use to, you know, GPS, payments, gaming, um, you know, email. And then, you know, once everybody has a wallet, you can actually do a lot of things with that. Um, you can airdrop, you can send people funds, uh, NFTs, people can use the wallet to interact um, and create identities. So I just thought that was, um, was very powerful. This um, being able to, you know, kind of everybody has a wallet, um, and what you know, depending how creative and how how much you want to um, create in this space, you can really utilize that.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things in the space that is unlocking a lot of possibility um, right now, and a lot of the things that will come out of this technology, um, I don't think like anyone has even really thought of yet, right? Like because the possibility almost feels infinite in terms of what these wallets can end up doing and creating these new um, incentive structures. Uh, we talked a bit last week about how it's changing, you know, research and science. Um, but we can even take it a step further, right? We can look at how you know it's changing how content creation is being monetized. Um, while it's not fully there yet, the ecosystem is still being developed. You know, there could be models in the future that challenges how, you know, for example, how YouTube has their content Mm -hmm. where they have a bunch of people creating content for them. um, And then from their centralized kind of business model and ad structure, they pay out to the content creators based off, you know, some internal metrics of how their um, videos are, you know, attracting advertisers. Mm -hmm. I think that in the future that could change, that could change more to a decentralized method where There are already platforms that are trying to do something with uh, decentralized streaming. But you can almost imagine a situation where you're a content creator. uh, You put out videos that aren't that that different from what you would find on YouTube today. But instead of being paid by YouTube, the company, right? Like, let's say every stream someone uh, makes of your video, you earn some form of tokenized reward for Or, you know, maybe both of you earn some sort of tokenized reward for, one for the creator, one for the viewer. Um, Mm. And while these, like, platforms may not exist in a fleshed out version right now, um, Mm. I do believe they're being built, right? I do believe these things are being explored and experimented with. And eventually, it will create new ways for you to, um, you know, incentivize people to create products and create content and you know, create this new way to interact with um, your audience that right Mm. now is kind of a very
1: centralized um, model. Sure, sure. Yeah, one of the projects that um, uh, my friend was, uh, you know, kind of showing me and describing to me that he was working on, it was related to climate change, right? That's obviously a big topic. It's almost uh, sometimes people... Uh, overhype it or overuse the term is uh, just to get attention. But really, it is something that uh, we'll need to deal with um, as a society. And so how do we change people's behavior in order to want to take carbon out of the air and put it into the ground? And so um, there's you know, there's traditional kind of web two ways of doing it. Um, but really, uh, you know, the amount of carbon that we are taking out of the air versus the amount that we need to, uh, by 2050 to get to kind of the the levels that you know scientists and uh un all, all say that we need to it's like we're taking out like 10 percent of the um the amount that we really need to so still a lot of room to grow there um and the efforts uh, how do we incentivize people to do this so um yeah i mean this this is one of uh, uh i think a, a very compelling one of a few very compelling projects Where you think about how do you pay people, how do you reward people? Because that's what it is, right? I mean, Jeff, you've noticed a lot of these um, chains. It's about like you do something, you get rewarded, right? You validate something, and you get rewarded, right? Right. Um, You know, you uh, um, you participate in something, you get rewarded. So, um, and that's what I keep telling my friends. That's why you need all these tokens, because every token represents um, something, you know, something different. Um, And so, it's uh, it's really The tokenomics if you study it um, and this is maybe the part where i also think it's a double-edged sword um you know how do we like i I think of my friend's project i think it's awesome uh but i'm just thinking a lot of it is really rides on the tokenomics as well can you create a um, kind of this monetary regime i mean think about the 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 us dollar i mean it's taken so many years to perfect the kind of monetary policy and many, many people would say it's not not perfected at all it has a lot of problems um, to try to maintain the stability of the dollar, make sure that it doesn't depreciate t- too dramatically so that people want to hold it. Um, you know, I-, I guess all of us have to kind of wear that, you know, economist hat uh, at some point as well. So, I, yeah, I just thought that was that was interesting, but also so hard, Jeff. Like, I think to, to create a successful ecosystem, you know, where these coins all have um, – you know a use case, but at the same time, the tokenomics works out where it uh maintains its value, it's stable. People want to denominate, you know, um, uh, their, their NFTs in this particular currency. Like, it's yeah, I don't know, Jeff. I just feel like it's it's so hard. And I think it's great, it's ambitious in what the community is trying to do. No, I totally agree.
0: I understand how the challenge, um, <laughs> you know, facing a lot of these project creators in designing how their tokens. Will ultimately behave, how many tokens they'll have, like the distribution of everything. Like, that's a major challenge. Like you said, like uh, US monetary policy is an ever evolving thing that has taken centuries, you know, to get to kind of <laughs> where it's at now. Um, and the idea that some guy with a team of maybe like three anonymous, <laughs> um, you know, anime profile pictures are going to create a very effective. Um, economic model in a couple weeks is kind of ridiculous on some levels um, but like we saw like the whole point of crypto is the ability to rapidly iterate rapidly experiment um, we've seen a ton of projects with failed token tokenomic models and we've seen a ton with very successful ones right and then the key is just how do they iterate on the successes and learn from the failures to ultimately design better and better projects um, now, that doesn't help if you're bag-holding one of the ones with you know, bad tokenomics, that hearing the, that doesn't really help you in that moment, but um, this is something that you can work on in the future, um, that tokens can go and, um, you know, yeah. learn learn from the mistakes of the other projects in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, um, I ultimately think that in order for this space to thrive, um, there needs to be... Well, value added. Um, and I think uh, the, the DeFi kind of angle is something that provides, um, you know, it, it provides the juice, it provides the gasoline, um, and it's also what enables efficient allocation of capital. But ultimately, we need to build stuff. We need to, um, you know, create things that people want uh, in the real world. Um, and so another conversation I had recently with a friend was like, they're like, oh, wait, but uh, ultimately, why would people want to interact you know, in the digital world when there's like, you know, when when you can't pre- you know provide benefits in the real world. And so I think we've talked about that too, where um, our interactions in the digital world could become valuable as well. And I think NFTs um, is just kind of one of the first and obvious things where uh, people value, um, you know, having an NFT, owning digital art. And so um, Jeff, you mentioned earlier, you had uh, it's kind of you started playing in this uh, a lot more. Um, yeah, I've been recently. playing in
0: the NFT space a lot more. Um, just because well, I, I I just keep thinking about how much attention NFT has drawn from the mainstream. Um You know, DeFi is just not very not very approachable for the average person without not sexy. someone. Yeah, Jeff, it's, not it's not sexy. sexy. But even then, it's just it's hard to understand. Yeah. You know, like even me, it's been a long time. And still, I read some of these documents, and I have to. It takes me a second to try to figure out what all their all these like acronyms may stand for. You know, like yeah. what these um, prefixes for their token might mean. Like, what does that mean yeah. that it's like a VE token? What does yeah. it mean that it's like a stake token? Like, these are all things that if you were a newcomer um, yeah. would put you off because there's so much that you background knowledge that you kind of have yeah. to know to even begin really starting to understand what's going on in defi um but that's not the case with nfts right anybody can see an nft and be like i like that picture or um you know that one looks cool you might not agree with the price but that's a subject that's kind of like a subjective thing with art um anyway but the kind of the 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 selling point of nfts very easily to understand and i just figure now is kind of, um, you know, as they're blowing up, it makes more sense to really um, dive more into this and try to figure it out. And I'm kind of the guy that likes to learn by doing. So I've just been, you know, participating in more mints, um, you know, buying some NFTs I like. And just kind of, like, obviously, I want to I wanna hopefully make some money out of it too. But the more
1: important part is just to kind of be part of the culture. Because culture... <laughs> Do you uh, mind, uh, walking us through a step where you minted, like just maybe for, for some of our users who are curious as well, um, you know, what's, uh, what does it mean to mint? Uh, are you using open seas? Are you, um, joining? Yeah, some so, you channel? know,
0: I've, I've minted, like, I've done a few mints of real projects, like projects that are dropping, like there 10,000 NFTs or some generative NFT thing. Like I've done a few of those too, where they have, a uh, Like a mint price at whatever ETH, and then they give you your NFT afterwards. Um, And I've also done like mints where, you know, I had a picture my friend, I commissioned from my friend that I wanted as an NFT, and I just kind of had, you know, made a quick and easy token out of that. Um, So that's really easy to do. If you want to do that second way where you just want to make an NFT, um, it's quite simple to go on, you know, OpenSea and just create, create an nft pretty much out of like
1: any any image um so so sorry so you uploaded your image and then yeah
0: so well the nft itself kind of points it'll point to a thing that Mm -hmm. will be the image the image at least for the just the random nft i made as a test isn't on the blockchain itself Um, it's just hosted on another file so it's like in in essence it's no different from just the url that's pointing to where the image is, um, mm.
1: but you and you know, own that URL. Is that what that means? The the you own you're the unique owner no, of no, the URL.
0: No, no, no. You're the unique owner of the NFT. Um, mm. But that NFT, at least the one I made, is just the image you see on the NFT isn't actually stored in the NFT, right? It's stored mm. still on a centralized server. The NFT mm. is pointing at a URL. Mm. Uh, that's where the image is so it's okay. a little bit like yeah I own that image but I also actually kind of just own a URL to that image but that's not
1: so um, but but Jeff I, I don't mean to challenge this point too much but what about that um, where it's stored is that decentralized or is that centralized what if um, for, for this uh, one I made it's not centralized I mean
0: it is centralized it's not a decentralized storage but you know that's not the case for every NFT I just did this because it was just something I just wanted to okay. make a simple. Thing out of like a picture I had, but
1: because somebody um, could switch. What if somebody, what if a hack changes?
0: They can (laughs) switch it, or you know, that URL could expire, like a domain could expire, like all these things (laughs) could happen in the future. Um, so you know, if you want a more on chain NFT, right, there's things like IPFS, Filecoin, um, similar, are we similar projects like that that work on actually storing data on chain. Um, so they have their own blockchains where they will actually, you know, you can host your image file there. So then it wouldn't ever be able to expire, essentially. Mm, um, okay, that's a little
1: okay. more involved. So I, I didn't do it that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. But but so let's go back to the easy way then. So you um you created this link or they created it for you, this uh, URL that points this image. Yeah, just and where, wherever, and I, you just...
0: wherever I just like hosted my file.
1: Okay. Okay. And then you just click the button in mint, and then it charges um, you some gas fees and voila.
0: It's not. It's not exactly a button that says mint, but yeah, on on OpenSea, you can anybody can just create a project, um, mm-hmm. and then that mm-hmm. project you can set like how many whatever the traits you wanted, everything. It's not very difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Okay. But I okay. think
0: the I think the more interesting mint are the public mints, right? The mints for projects that are being built um, and getting to participate in, you know, the event where, hey, we're releasing, you know, 5,000 pictures, um, you know, get on our whitelist and you can be part of the mint. I think that is a more interesting experience because not only do you see how they're building the community um, and... How um, you know the team is developing the project? You can get involved in like kind of trying to um, make suggestions for the roadmap, or being involved in the community in all these ways, Um, and then participating in the mint itself is usually very—it's very fun, right? It feels that kind of that feeling you get when you were like a kid opening you know a booster pack of Pokemon cards, or Mm. kind of like gambling too, because you don't know what you're gonna get um mm-hmm. a lot of the times mm-hmm. it's, a lot, it's like not revealed until later mm-hmm. and then when you get your nft you can kind of look at all its traits and it's very it's like a really exciting process um <laughs> so that's what i've been doing a lot too and um
1: but by the yeah. way how do you get on one of the whitelists um you have to know about it beforehand i guess you yeah so geez, it is, some... it, it's it's funny mm-hmm. it's like not difficult but also difficult
0: at the same time and what i mean by that is so i was fortunate to participate in a mint for a project called uh tubby cats recently and yeah. the mint itself i mean the whitelist process itself was not difficult right i just had to be in the discord they released like a link that said just sign up for the whitelist um and do like a simple task the task was just like draw a cat and then like upload the cat kind of like to prove you're a human mm. uh,
1: so it wasn't a very difficult thing to do. Th- that might be hard for me. I don't know if I could draw a cat, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my cat was like a stick person. <laughs> anyway. Um,
0: the hard yeah. part is finding, like hearing about these projects earlier on. Even though this project, um, the Discord, had like thousands of people, right? It still wasn't obvious. It wasn't like on any like major list or anywhere easy to go to find, hey, like Cubby Cats is having a mint soon and you know, this is the steps you need to do to get on the whitelist. The hard yeah. part is then just kind of grinding for that info, um, you know, following mm. the different NFT people on Twitter, joining a lot of those NFT Twitter spaces oh, right. and listening yeah, to them. But how do you know
1: that they're going to release a um, mint? Or you know that? And then the next step well, is that... yeah, to, you, you, you know that that. Is that's this part, part of the game? Is this
0: part, part of, the, of the game, the... right? That's part of um, the game of finding and identifying these projects, um, oh, learning oh. when they're going to mint and then evaluating the team. Because a lot of times, the projects end up being trash and nothing, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. The space is so lucrative, there's going to be a lot of people coming in just to try to make some quick money. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's... it's, You kind of have to also be... um, you know, be aware of that and develop this sense for what team is more legitimate than others. And I really mean it as a sense, like it's really not a specific set of criteria you can really give that says, "Oh, if he checks this box, this box, this box, it's probably very good." Um, mm. A lot of times, it is kind of a gut feeling based off prior experience. Um, whether but a because, project like is
1: good or not. Let me just ask you about Tubby Cats. So, you, um, how did you even know there was a Discord channel called Tubby Cats? Like, how, how did we go and get right. steps through? So,
0: so yeah. this is like part of the. This is the hard part of finding these NFT men's, right? So for me, for Tubby Cat specifically, that was um, you know, you I knew about um the artist. The artist's name is OX Ratwell. Um, and he's known for being one of the crypto influencers, one of the major crypto influencers, Tetronodes, like personal artists. Um, Tetronode is like a a giga whale in the space, and he appears on a lot of um he appears on twitter a lot just like making random posts but he'll also go on some podcasts once in a while so it's pretty well known in the space and through that you know when i heard that ratwell was his personal artist um i started following ratwell on twitter and then from there you know he announced hey i'm starting this project um and then you know you you kind of make the connections you connect the dots between okay If he's like a an artist for this big influencer, and he's working with this team of other crypto native people, um, the evaluations of that product kind of—I mean—that project kind of goes up in my mind. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. You know, so
0: so it's not a very clear path to finding these projects, but Mm -hmm. that's how I do it, right? I follow the people that I think are you know big in Mm -hmm. the space, or they've Mm -hmm. kind of proven themselves as as crypto natives already um or they've already had successful projects under their belts and then okay. kind of work your way up from
1: there just based off um and you know then, any announcements say, they make and then when you say you grind it out to find the information that's intentional it created by the artist that process or like like a puzzle well, or um, some,
0: sometimes it is right some because mm-hmm. interest is so high in a lot of these projects sometimes you'll find a project that team's kind of under the radar, and then when you join the Discord, there's already like 20,000 people, um, and they have to narrow that down to maybe like 8,000 people to get on the whitelist, or maybe even less. Um, And that's where the grind kind of comes in, because sometimes they'll make people jump through hoops, um, you know, (laughs) to get onto the whitelist. Because people know, like the whitelist is very, it's a very good opportunity to buy into a project you like at potentially the lowest price, like, it'll be offered at. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition Mm -hmm. to that kind of gambling um, Pokemon card feeling of getting, like, hey, like, I'm getting a a random thing. It could be anything. It could be really valuable. There's that aspect Mm -hmm. of it, too. Um, Interesting. Interesting. And part of, like, me using Grind, like I said, like, finding these projects is not easy because you go through so many... And so many of them are not very good projects. Like you have to be able to evaluate um, is this something even worth uh, mm. spending my time on? Is it worth devoting all these hours in discord, trying to you know talk to the team, be part of the community, you know post memes and stuff. Is it worth that effort if this project is just gonna um, you know the devs are just gonna bounce after they make their money? So you have to kind mm. of make that evaluation as well. And that's where the grind comes in because um, there's just so many of these projects, right? You're just wow. are constantly looking at different ones.
1: Yeah, I could see how the criteria to um, trade or, uh, you know, get involved in NFTs is very different than looking at a traditional layer one token, you know, very, very right. different. Um, yeah,
0: because there's no, like, technology yeah. to evaluate yeah. a lot of the time.
1: <laughs> like,
0: NFTs may have some utility um, and some function, but... Ultimately, there are not for the most part, at this stage of um, the NFT's kind of life. I, I go back,
1: this, this feels like a little bit like VC uh, investing or, or very early stage investing, right? Where a lot of times you are evaluating the founders um, rather than necessarily the specific ideas that they have because it will evolve. And I think that's right. the correct analogy for NFTs, too, right? It will evolve, um, you know, what what features they will have, additional features Um, you know, additional airdrops and subsequent projects, all of these things. This is where I think it's interesting um, where
0: from looking at like standard tokens and crypto and that kind of thing and you approach it almost from this, like, maybe not an economist, not the right word, but you approach it from a lens that's like very financial minded, right? You're looking at these things, trying to understand how the token numbers work, how the token Mm -hmm. supply works and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. distribution, everything. Whereas, or nfts it's really just culture right I brought up the tubby cats thing because I thought it was cool because I liked the I like the team the art was you know this it fine it's cute little cats um but what was really interesting was after the mint I noticed how many people on Twitter started um, changing their profile pictures to tubby cats you know a lot of big influencers started getting tubby cats um and I'm sure that's very self interest driven I'm sure they also had a, a bunch of cats that they wanted the price for to go up on, but as you see that like kind of cultural cultural wave almost of certain nfts take over, it clicks in a different way, right It makes sense like, oh yeah, of course, this is going to go up in price if everybody in this space likes it and is using it and is buying it um for the simple reason of it's it's just a cultural kind of like a
1: flex, mm-hmm. almost. It's a cultural way. To, it's a way to sure. like
0: be part of this um,
1: zeitgeist. Yeah, uh, dude. It's it's so fascinating because um, it's kind of created this new market or asset class that I don't even know how to define it. Um, you know, it's it's like social cultural. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, it's like a cultural thing now uh, becomes. Um, it's kind of like a membership to a club, right? But it a seems little bit. a bit more democratized than that. Right.
0: right. And it's not like and it's not like anyone decides the membership. It's almost like everybody consensually agrees that this is a thing that's now suddenly like you're part of this cool club. Um yeah. you know, there's a million I, NFTs that could have been that, but like a lot of them weren't. You know, why mm-hmm. why these ones? Um, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. kind of a culture, just like
1: an overall thing with understanding culture, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause um A lot of times we think about um, the traditional society and the way it's structured. I mean, there are established institutions, right? I mean, this country club is very exclusive and you need a referral, you know, from an existing member and they'll vet you through. I mean, but tubby cats, I guess it just or maybe I don't know, like are the people involved? It just it's people like like you and I, right, Um, who can. Who can get involved? Yes, you do need to jump through some hoops, and but that's part of the game, and it shows your commitment. So it's almost like we are creating new, like exclusive structures. Um, You know, perhaps like we are. There's like the old guard, and then we have this new kind of um, you know, uh, crypto has enabled people to form these new groups. But of course, my fear is that it becomes like this elitist thing as well. You know, like, well, like, if uh, there's 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 that risk, right? Like one of the yeah.
0: funny things at East Denver was just like how many people were there, rocking these like board eight yacht club hoodies yeah. and stuff. Okay, and, you know, just to be like, hey, like I'm part of this, like the board eight yacht club, like club. But, um, but by the
1: way, those hoodies, they that means they own one,
0: or you you
1: can buy. I don't one. know. I'm pretty sure anyone can buy one, but I'm
0: okay. I assume they're wearing it at that at east denver because they have one but you want that attention yeah yeah Yeah.
1: got it how do you Um, how do you feel about that what are we supposed to i mean i guess just like you said technology there's two-edged sword i mean we're not gonna judge but i think it's
0: i think it's fine because i think it's no different from you know someone having expensive rolls royce or a rolex or you know anything like that some expensive piece of jewelry it's also like a way to signal to other people that hey like i have I have the wealth to own this. You know, I belong to this kind of elite (laughs) thing. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think the difference with crypto is that, like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't necessarily have to just be like, hey, I'm in this elite, expensive thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think about products, I mean, uh, projects, NFT projects that kind of go towards a cause, right? I think Mm -hmm. about, um, like, recently, there was an NFT project for the founder of Silk Road. Who's still in prison right now? Um, mm. and he released an NFT project just to raise money for his legal defense fund. Um mm. and you know, even though those NFTs may or may not have some sort of like collector value, he raised millions of dollars for his fund selling those NFTs because people recognized you know this is a historic figure in the crypto community, um, mm. regardless of how people feel about Silk Road, it's undeniable that it was one of the first things that enabled Bitcoin to be used. It was one of the first use cases for Bitcoin. And it's like vitally important in Bitcoin's history. So people were willing to support this guy um, you know, because they recognized the importance of that and they felt that kind of cultural significance of his impact. And you know, without NFTs, he wouldn't have been able to just fundraise in the traditional way because it's not as effective, right? It's not as effective as being, hey, can you give me money for my cause, rather than like, hey, let me sell you this thing that also goes um, to a cause. And we see that right now too, with the conflict in Russia like, someone has created Ukraine DAO um, Mm -hmm. similar Mm -hmm. to how Constitution DAO was created to raise funds to buy the Constitution. Ukraine DAO is raising funds via like NFT sales and direct donations um, to fund the aid effort in Ukraine. And, you know, these are things that fundraising organizations wouldn't have had the ability to do in the past, you know, to create a digital asset, um, that people would want because it has a, you know, a way to verify ownership. It has a uniqueness to it that digital assets in the past just never had.
1: Mm. Yeah. I sort of see this as an extension of like fundraising efforts in the past, right? Um, You know, in the past, we perhaps asked people directly for money. Maybe you get a certificate uh, showing, you know, you you put your name on a plaque, um, you know, you have different, you know, your your silver membership or your gold donor. Um, But now um, with NFTs, I guess there's just much more you can do with it. Right. It's, you know, um, because it's digital, it's evolving um, and it's code. um, You can, you know, the creator uh, can be as as creative as he or she wants it to be. Um, and so it becomes a more meaningful experience as the cause gains steam. So, yeah, you know, Jeff, like, nothing is absolute, but I, I feel that it is more... We, we try to create a more flat or democratic kind of um, structure. It's not perfect, but certainly... Right. Um, it's just, it's trying,
0: it's just yeah. using
1: that as the guide, right? It's trying to get there. It's, and it ain't not get
0: there fully, but that's what we're it. trying to build towards.
1: And so... NFTs and DAO. so in what you're describing, I feel like the NFT and DAOs are almost interchangeable in those particular cases, right? Because the purpose of selling the NFT is to form this DAO. Well, I guess that the, could...
0: DAO, the DAO is what would govern it. Like, I yeah. think the beauty of the DAO is that it's basically. I, I've been thinking about it. Like the DAO is basically just like a company, like an NF, like an LLC or anything, except. Instead of having to use a bank, it has a system where the funds stay within the DAO, but they can't be abused um, by any one member of the DAO. If mm-hmm. you know if the if the multi-sig and everything is set up correctly, obviously. But yeah, if you created a good a good like DAO treasury system, um it's essentially a company, but with total control of its funds without having to use any third party banking service, right? Um, and it creates an environment where those funds are kept in a trustless manner. Um, and then the NFTs just represent kind of the sale and the gathering of those funds. If you're using kind of like Ukraine Dow, for example, for, um, for
1: fundraising. Um, so a Dow is represented, um, or the, I mean, the Dow can be many things, but at its core, I guess it's a treasury, it's a group treasury. I think so.
0: I think so. I, I'm sure yeah. other people may disagree, but. I think a DAO at its core is a treasury that can be managed directly with code and has trust completely built out of the system. Mm -hmm.
1: But the members of the DAO all have like a vote in how the funds are dispersed, right? Um, Right. Because anyone can make proposals for
0: the DAO to do whatever. Like you and I Mm -hmm. could go into an established DAO, like Maker DAO and then make a proposal that says, that's just nonsense, like. I propose everybody take their maker and buy like 15 ounces of Coca Cola. Like, you can make crazy proposals like that. Doesn't mean anyone will vote on them or take them seriously. The entire idea is that anyone can kind of bring these proposals. um, And if they have merit, they may pick up steam. Right. Sure, sure.
1: But every day, but again, you know, this I go back to um, the not every decision making um, can be done this way. Right? No, no, no. And I so mean, that,
0: like there's there's varying levels of these kind of like the democracy, so to say, of the DAOs. Right. Some DAOs <laughs> yeah. may like um, some DAOs may make it so that, hey, like only if you have a certain threshold of governance tokens, can you like formally bring a thing to vote or something like that? Um, mm-hmm. Some it may be like anybody can uh, create a proposal, but it's not like an official proposal for vote yet unless,
1: you know, some criteria is met. Um, mm, mm, mm. so again, it's every DAO will also have its own features. So it's just like every right. token, has its own tokenomics, every right, DAO right. have its own uh, governance structures and it can be as creative. Yeah. You know, um, I have another, uh, another friend, his company, uh, is also trying to set up like a platform where it caters to these DAO treasuries. So the idea is that people will onboard, um, their DAO treasuries um, and they'll be governed by certain um, rules uh, in such a way that you know, we'll be much more, um, much more kind of transparent uh, about what's going on as opposed to sometimes with these individual projects. Um, you know, we may be a bit uncertain, right? Oh, who's you know, uh, multi-sig uh, wallets and recently we've talked about on this show, um, there have been some bad actors or people who have uh, kind of a, a background that's questionable. So if we can have a more, um, transparent, a more standard way, uh, where there's a platform um, where the DAOs are kind of the, the DAOs that are listed on there have gone through certain uh, pass certain criteria. I mean, I think that's one way to look at it. Um, and then there's also investment DAOs. Uh, people like we're an investment club. We we join this club and we all decide to invest in something um, as opposed to and you know, uh, you know uh, going joining together for a social cause. So. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's very fascinating. I mean, um, even as I'm talking about, there's a lot of uncertainties. I'm asking a lot of questions. Um, but at the same time, isn't that isn't that what's awesome? Because it, actually, we, we don't know how, it, whether DAOs will replace the standard corporation or whether DAOs will replace, um, you know, communities or co-ops. Um, actually, I'm not sure, but it, but it has a role to play, right? I think it's, it has uh, a role it's... to play too, because at its core, it's just a new way to organize people. Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Um and is, yeah. And it represents a way to organize people in a in a novel way that's never kind of been done before. Um mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. that alone I think is extremely interesting because from that can spawn all sorts of different organizations, um, you know, yeah. different communities and everything. Um just kind of from it, that simple little little shift in how the organization dynamic is.
1: Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, in my journey now, and, um, you know, listeners from the very first episode will know that, you know, I've had a very, uh, it, it's actually seems very, it's actually a kind of a short journey. But in reality, it feels like years in my mind, um, because that's <laughs> how, how crypto, you know, paces itself. Um, like, I really feel like I have also evolved my thinking from, like, the first, you know, days where it's all about, like, I'm just like a DeFi, like, monkey, You know, I'm talking about like all these rewards, which is, I think, still awesome. I mean, you're just in these protocols. You're just the fear of missing out on all these rewards and airdrops, you know, and um, which I I still think there's a place for that. And um, and I know a lot of my friends who are, you know, very successful and very thoughtful in what they do. But at the same time, um, my thinking has also evolved now into thinking about these social structures. And, um, you know, we touched on today NFTs, DAOs. Um, I talked about, you know, um, some of these projects my friends are working on around me that are related to changing people's incentive structure, um, using mechanisms to really, you know, whether it's climate change, um, education, uh, investment management, um, you know, all this is. Uh, we'll have it. I mean, This is when I talk to people about crypto and, you know, and I, I, believe it or not, I still get these conversations where people are just like, oh, it's just a scam. Get out quickly. You can still make money, you know, but just get out quickly. You know, things like that. And I'm just like, that kind of misses the point. It's not right. about what you see in front of you. It's not about on your Binance account, you know, um, you know it's flashing red or green. Um, a lot of it is about we will see a different world right and right. how we monetize it we will see and everyone will have a role in it you can be a creator you can be a consumer you can be um you know uh, an artist whatever you want um but it is it, we will live in a different world and i that's why i always tell people the reason you should get involved right now is you i mean in addition to you know if you get in early opportunities make money but the rules of the game are being written as we speak and i think being familiar with those rules of the game will be helpful in this oh, new sure, yeah version of society
0: yeah 100 percent. the same way that as social media you know exploded the people that caught on to the potential of like running ads on social media i using social media to like reach target audiences and that kind of thing um the people mm-hmm. that caught on to that early greatly benefited mm-hmm. because like you said like the rules of web 2 were being written in the mid 2000s and people mm-hmm. that kind of rode that train um you know like came out very 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 well ahead in the end um Mm in the same way web 3 is kind of doing that same thing now right it's the like you said the rules are being written as we speak um everybody is experimenting and iterating on different ideas we don't know what will be the kind of ideal model in the future but it's being built right so it makes sense to get under an understanding of what is happening um so that yeah. you know, not only do you have a chance to find that thing that will be kind of the paradigm of the future, um, mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. even be the one that's kind of like directing it in, in parts, you know?
1: Yeah. So coming back to maybe just um, the last bit, last few minutes, um, we should probably talk about the markets a little bit. Um, you know, how should we uh, be you know, positioning? Of course, none of this is, you know, official financial advice. It's more for entertainment, education purposes um but you know my thoughts are in general like you know um just hold on to kind of the core you know tokens it's almost like yeah uh, yeah it's just uh, if you believe in this ecosystem um you know rather than if you get tired of chasing it around um you know diversify a little bit do kind of what jeff is doing get involved in nfts um you know not not because necessarily that, um, you know, you, you think that something will go 100x or whatnot but, it also, but it's just a different asset class. It behaves differently than the other coins. During the sell-off NFT's actually held its value quite, quite well. Um, yeah, I want to actually then, touch back a little bit yeah. on NFTs because I was just thinking too. Like, sure. You know, like when you think about
0: someone spending hundreds, thousands of dollars on an NFT, it might sound crazy because it's a digital mm. picture, right? But mm. it's really no different than someone dropping, you know, a $1,000 on A really rare pair of sneakers, um, Mm. or a thousand dollars on—I mean, not like ten thousand dollars on a piece of art that, like, that they hang on the wall and they really like. Let
1: let, let me just let me just real quick um, interject here because I had a uh, conversation with a fairly wealthy friend recently, and um, you know, he was just like, "Oh, um, yeah, I I get what you're saying about NFTs and you know how uh, store of value. I get it, but he's a big believer in watches." Um and so like I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to watches so I asked some I'm sure some pretty dumb questions about how they work and, and the idea behind it and uh, he was talking about how you, it's almost like you got to get on a whitelist as well man to get one of these Um, and uh, it's you got to know somebody knows you almost got to grind it out to get one of right watches. that's kind of what I was gonna say. I, I don't know
0: anything about watches either but I remember like in high school in New York I had a lot of friends that were into like sneakers right yeah, yeah it was always like the same thing like when the new sneaker dropped they had to yeah. somehow be in the know that it was gonna come out at this store, <laughs> and like get yeah. there at this time, wait in line, and then it, you it, know mint their sneaker so to stay at the like yeah. mint price, which would be MSRP, <laughs> and then eventually, and then like on the secondary market, then they can sell it for like four hundred dollars, you know.
1: Um, and it's like kind
0: of the same thing.
1: the The secondary market for some of these watches, the guy was telling me, is like ten to fifty x like the initial kind of you know kind of msrp as you said um and it's like wow and it's um you know the way oh the way the watchmakers also they try to create you know like this kind of user community engagement this um, right um, this and there's like value. limited
0: artificial scarcity that they create yeah. right like you know, we're only making like ten of these or something. Yeah, like yeah, so, so it's, you're right. It's so not people... like it is cultural, right? And the yeah. key thing. It, this is it's a, a thing in human culture that already exists. Only mm-hmm. now it's with a digital asset, and because we've mm-hmm. spent so long um, mm-hmm. with the idea that you know images and JPEGs are worthless because they're you know copy and paste. Yeah, yeah, copy and paste. They've never been able to prove. Um, you know, their real ownership or whatever. Um, but that's changed now. Now with NFTs, that paradigm has changed, but we're still, a lot of people are still stuck in that thinking of just because it's digital, it has no inherent value, um, which is not the case anymore. Um, I think about like, again, with the tubby cat thing, um, there's this one person I started following since the, uh, Russian invasion happened. Um, he's a Ukrainian guy, a Twitter guy, and, you know, he has this kind of, like, silly um, tubby cat profile picture, right? It's just, like, a blue tubby cat with, like, some, like some anime-looking hair or whatever. Um, but, you know, for the past week, all his tweets have been incredibly serious, like, documenting, you know, his escape from um, eastern Ukraine, like, going all the way to western Ukraine, documenting <laughs> all these things. Like, very, very heavy and serious stuff. And he's gotten like a huge following now. Mm. Um, And it's gone to the point where I associate that NFT with him. Like when I see that blue tubby cat, to Mm. me, that's
1: him now, you know? Mm. Um, And that's. Wait, he he created a story. He created a story around his blue tubby cat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
0: he created an identity
1: that Mm. goes
0: beyond just that image, right? The identity Mm -hmm. of this blue tubby cat now is this like Ukrainian guy that has been bombed by russia and is escaping with like from um from his Mm. home essentially um and that's the case i realized with a lot of nfts like a lot of punks um are owned by big crypto influencer people and it's gone to the point where i just associate that punk with that um, individual right that identity is that punk now Um, Mm. And I think that's kind of the thing with NFTs now that people are kind of missing. It's like they say the metaverse might not work, or I don't know what the metaverse is. Um, I look at just my parents, right, staring at their phones on social media. Like, this is a form of the metaverse already. Like, being on your phone, looking at all these different things, that is essentially being a digital citizen, right? Um, You might not have an NFT yet to represent your identity in this digital world, but all those things Mm. are all coming. Um, yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. think about that that blue tubby cat guy in Ukraine. Yeah, because yeah. essentially, like I'm in a metaverse when I'm interacting with his tweets because yeah. we're separated by just the entire earth, essentially. Um, yeah. but I can interact with what he's thinking. I can read about what he's thinking. And now with this NFT, he has this identity that I know for sure is him, you know, um that is like that yeah. has the Twitter like verification box and everything. So, yeah, my point is, like, yeah, the cultural aspect of NFTs can't be overstated enough, I think. Um, and it's something that a lot of us miss, including myself. I just didn't understand and put that together.
1: Yeah. You, you mentioned something that um, I caught on because I read about it recently. So basically, you can put your profile on Twitter now, and Twitter will verify it with a different shaped box, whether or not yeah. it's an NFT, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's something that's kind of subtle and it's, um, I guess it's recent, right? I mean, people, this trend of people using NFTs to put on their Twitter, uh, profile, like it's
0: like a few months ago, this feature was, yeah,
1: that's, that's kind of, see, there you go. That's a application. I don't think people thought about maybe as much or Twitter, probably even caught Twitter by surprise. And then, you know, they're probably product manager came out and you know decided they, they wanted to kind of incorporate this. So that's kind of cool. I mean, who knows in the future we might have a lot of businesses, you know, that cater,